listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. I'm your host, Chris Vogel, and this show is sponsored by Ornitos Tequila. Here's to the shot takers, the ones who, like us, believe nothing's ever great unless you take a chance because that's hashtag a shot worth taking. Ornitos, the proud sponsor of the Straight Up Saints podcast and Boot Crew Media. Now, the Saints are finally going to hit the road and talk about a regular season matchup that... We've been waiting for for a couple of weeks now and no better way to talk about it and preview the season opener than bringing on John Hendrick of Sports Illustrated Saints News Network. Also have the Believe in Saints podcast. John, how's everything? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Man, I'm doing good tonight. Thanks for having me as always. Yeah, absolutely. And this is going to be a really fun game. I know a lot of people out there are predicting Packers blowout. I don't think it's going to be the case. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But before we get into the game, the Saints actually had an interesting week in terms of transactions. You have... Latavius Murray get cut and then you have also the Bradley Roby trade which kind of materialized yesterday and then finally today we saw some of the details so I kind of want to start with Latavius Murray one first and and ask you obviously someone who's close around the team and has a better feel for it one were you surprised by the move and two do you kind of think it was a mixture of the cap space and Tony Jones Jr.'s emergence what'd you kind of make from that yeah look I, I think when you look at training camp being all those practices and stuff I mean he didn't really stand out. It's not like he had a horrible training camp, but he didn't have like a great camp. And when you compare him up against Tony Jones Jr., I mean, he had big runs a lot. He had a lot of different things that he did. And look, you know, I, I had a tough time believing that Murray wouldn't would be one of the final cuts just because I think he's a different back, obviously, than Alvin Gamera, and that he has upside as a have been blitz pickups and a lot of different things. And so look, that first preseason game against the Ravens, you're a veteran, and I think when you go back and look at Sean Payton talking about those turnovers and stuff and a veteran that put the ball on the ground on that first drive, you just can't do that. And, and look, I, I, I get what, you know, what everything happened and, and such, but you know, it just goes to show you no matter how many final 53 man roster predictions, everybody does, they're always going to have a lot of turnover in those last five to 10 spots. And with Murray, it's not totally surprised. I mean, Tony Jones Jr. just played so well. And, and again, the best thing to appreciate it about it, like I said, it's it wasn't just preseason. It was in the practice sessions too. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of switching gears, it almost seems like they were hand-in-hand, hand, the two moves, because the cap space for Latavius Murray opens up a couple of moves for the Saints. They bring in Bradley Roby, who can't play this weekend. He's still serving out the final game of his suspension. But looking down the road, this seems like the Saints might have figured out their cornerback two issue, which I think a lot of us thought that was the major concern for this roster so one would you make of the acquisition in terms of the saints going out there and maybe at the 11th hour getting that cornerback two that they desperately needed and two what do you think saints fans should kind of expect from bradley roby maybe not in terms of x's nose but what kind of player do you think that they could get and bring into this defense yeah look i mean first and foremost you know right now they were pretty thin at corner right and and they could have flexed cj gardner johnson there if they wanted to to play corner i think but you know look all all in all Kim Crawley had a great training camp, right? And it's unfortunate, you know, this hamstring injury may actually keep him out of week one and, and that turns uh, over to Paulson Adebo. But then you have Marshawn Lattimore pop up on the injury report, you know, with a, with a knee injury limited. Hopefully it's nothing serious, but, you know, that's a little bit more concerning because you get also get, you know, Desmond Trufant in there and and they 
talked about having to get him up to speed really quickly. And it kind of reminds me of when they claimed Janoris Jenkins off of waivers and he was forced into that Tennessee Titans game. So maybe that's what happens with Trufant. I mean, that remains to be seen. But for Roby, look, that's a huge acquisition. And again, the Ohio State pipeline, you can't <laughs> just overlook that, right? But look, I think it suddenly makes this cornerback group a really a lot better you know, and it, it's one of those areas that, hey, you had a lot of question marks going into the season. That and defensive tackle, I think, were the biggest ones. I thought linebacker was, but, man, they all proved us wrong. They There's everybody keeping seven. That's just almost unheard of. But, look, I think they'll be okay. I think the way their opponents obviously shape up before, you know, they get on the bye in week six is going to be huge. But him joining the team in week two, look, I, I don't know if you say he's definitely going to be the starter because I know they believe in Paulson and Debo. I think he's going to do pretty well you know, throw him to the fire, presumably against Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what happens. But I think Roby's a guy that, you know, is a valuable piece of death and you're going to have him under contract for another couple of years. So that's even better for him. Yeah, absolutely. And someone said the saints were in danger of not hitting their quota for Ohio state players. So bringing in Bradley Roby should uh, solve that problem. Now you mentioned Paulson Adebo, and I kind of want to transition over to the injury report. Obviously there's one more day of practice that will kind of have a, a better idea of Ken Crawley and Traquan Smith and Marshawn Lattimore status. I know saints fans were panicking about him being limited with the knees. So Ken Crawley at this point, I feel is the one that we almost feel set in stone is probably not going to play against the Packers because it seemed like a multiple week injury and, and maybe week two or week three, we'll see him back in the lineup. If that's the case, a lot is going to be on Paulson Adebo. Now, like you said, the saints are high in him. I've been really impressed with him so far. I think the, the one thing that stood out to him in the preseason was the Ravens, especially were a team that attacked him and he just kind of had answers every time. Didn't really seem deflated by constantly getting picked on. And we know if he's going to play a lot of minutes, Aaron Rodgers is going to test out the rookie. It only makes sense for him to do so. So what are you kind of expecting from Paulson Debo? Not just, kind of week one, but what do you think you've seen, whether it's at practices, even, you know, in the preseason, what have you seen from the rookie cornerback that maybe Saints fans should keep an eye on, not just for Sunday, but moving forward? Well, I'll tell you this, the whole entire rookie class kind of just started out slow in the whole process and training camp. But man, when they caught fire, when they caught it, they, they just rolled with it. And I, I'd never forget Adebo had a, a special teams rep playing gunner. He was working against P.J. Williams and Patrick Robinson, and he just absolutely blew the doors off of him. And it's kind of like the first one It's like, okay, this guy, Maybe he's going to be something pretty good. And then he gets into the rotation more playing corner. And and look, I, I think between working with uh, first team, second team, you know, and, and just getting those reps have been valuable for him. I think Chris Richard deserves a lot of, of praise here. You know, I, I think he's worked with every single corner in a way that's just been just beneficial to them. And, you know, from what I understand from him and his coaching style, just talking to some of the players is no matter if you're a guy that plays five reps, special teams, or all the game like Marshawn Lattimore, he caters that particular coaching style to whoever it is. And so Adebo, man, he, I think he's going to be good. Probably going to be some rookie growing pains, but look, I don't think it's anything crazy. I mean, you think back of some of the corners the Saints team has had when they've rolled out like Corey White and Brian Dixon, guys like that, Stanley Jean Baptiste. I mean, this guy is leaps and bounds better off as a rookie than I've ever seen any type of saints corner right now. And so I feel good about him being in there, especially opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, unfortunate for King Crawley having to deal with that hamstring injury. You know, he was on track to, to play in this one from what I understand, but you know, it seems like that's a pretty tricky one. And same thing with Traquan Smith, you know, not to totally deviate, but you know, he got hurt 
in one practice, we, we kind of looked and, and didn't say too much because you can't really. But, you know, I think it all comes together that he tried to come back and then he get hurt. And so uh, those hamstring injuries are very tricky. So hopefully it's nothing serious with him, too. But going back to Adebo, man, I think he's going to play pretty well. Um, definitely going to be tested, but I think he can hold his own. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Traquan Smith because I think Traquan's a player who I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself in this regard, but I have gone to bat several times for Traquan because it's when he's on the field, he's a willing blocker. He can make plays down the field. He's good at catching balls in traffic, which is obviously a, kind of an attribute that not many wide receivers possess. But unfortunately, the injury bug obviously has struck him many times. It seems like it's been lingering. If he can't go, and it, you know, it's starting to creep in some doubt that he can't play week one. Looking at this receiver course, because the whole Michael Thomas injury timeline kind of threw everything in flux, outside of Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris, who's the guy that you kind of feel comfortable with and say, okay, I could see him making multiple plays against the Packers. I could see him coming up with a crucial third down reception. So if I take Deontay and Callaway out, who's kind of the guy you're looking at and saying, okay, that pass catcher, whether it's a wide receiver or tight end, they can make an impact on Sunday. Well, I think the veteran wide receivers, Ty Montgomery and Chris Hogan, are obviously the two that you want to look at first and foremost. And then Jawan Johnson. I mean, it's encouraging to see Adam Troutman being able to practice and not being limited on a report. And look, I, I really feel like with Jameis Winston, you know, he had two great tight end targets in Tampa with OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. And, you know, I'm not saying that Troutman and, and Jawan Johnson are going to be that duo, but they have the potential to. And of course, Nick Vanette's on IR, but when he comes back, he's going to be more involved in the offense. But look, I think they have weapons here. And I think Ty Montgomery has done a phenomenal job. I mean, they transitioned him from being a running back to a wide receiver very early in the process. So all he's been doing is, is working with the wide receivers. And, you know, one of the things that I, I was talking to Terrence Copper on Believe in Saints, he's my new co-host, and uh, he was talking about Curtis Johnson, just how much he makes an impact and kind of the preparation process. So, look, I get it. It's a wide receiving core that doesn't scare anybody when it comes down to it, right? You know, you don't have Michael Thomas, so not many people know about Marquez Callaway. They're just finding out about him, but we saw glimpses of that last year from him, and look, I, I think he's going to be the real deal, and I I even got to a point when I told people, it's like, look, even when Traquan Smith comes back, he's not the number one guy anymore. It's got to be Callaway. And so he's probably going to end up being that third guy when Michael Thomas comes back. But, um, you know, Deontay Harris is going to be huge for this team. But I, I like what I've seen from Chris Hogan. I mean, this is crazy for a guy that was playing lacrosse, gets a shot. And not to mention, we don't talk about it a lot, but, you know, he's he's serving in that Craig Robertson role on special teams. Um, it was Brian Poole, but he got hurt lost for the year, obviously, but you know, that's where Hogan also comes in. So a lot of versatility on this team, same thing with Ty Montgomery, a lot of gunner work for him, but I expect him to find some ways to move the football. And, you know, look, Jameis Winston doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to throw it 30, 35 times for this team to win. Lean on that stellar offensive line, pound the rock with Alvin Kamara, give him 60 to 70% of the snaps, let Tony Jones Jr. run in there to make it a little bit easier. And I, I think they'll be fine. Speaking of Jameis Winston, I know it's the easy thing. The easy thing is for people to come out here and just absolutely bring up the 30 interceptions and go on a rant about it's a turnover machine. I would argue this, and I'm curious what you think about this. Is it fair to say starting Sunday, we restart the clock in terms of evaluating Jameis Winston as a football player because he is entering a quarterback-friendly system, one that's not going to tell him to throw a 50-50 ball more than 50% of the time, and a system that is going to take away a lot of the turnover-prone plays, which we saw in Tampa Bay. So he's saying all the right things. He looked fantastic in that second preseason game. I know everyone's going to say that it was just the preseason, but the Jaguars were actually scheming up looks because this is a team that has a young staff and we're trying to get it together. And 
the throws that he had to Callaway, Callaway was going up against Shaq Griffin. So it's not like he was going up against a scrub at corner. What is a fair expectation? Now, I know it's hard to say because we really don't know because Jameis can turn into you know a top 10 quarterback and, and realize his potential, or it could just be the same old Jameis. But how do you kind of view this situation? You've seen what he's done on practice. So what do you think Saints fans should expect from Jameis Winston, or at least what should be the mindset? I think that'd be the better way. What should be the mindset as a fan watching number two and seeing what he can do uh, under center? Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, I think I broke it down in March. But look, when you look at those 30 interceptions, 19 of those came in five games. And they were all home games for the Bucs. It's really perplexing to see it. So it's like, yeah, you kind of overblow it just a bit, right? And, and again, I, I think he's built for this offense. I think he's going to do – the best thing the Saints could have done is when they named their starter is, is being able to establish that continuity. Is Because what happened at camp is – you roll with Taysom Hill one day. Then it's Jameis Winston. Then you have different personnel. Maybe Teron Armstead's off on a rest day. Maybe Ryan Ramchek's missing. Maybe you don't have Alvin Kamara and you have Latavius Murray. The best thing the Saints could have done is they named their starter. That establishes more continuity with the offense, which allows everybody to be on the same page. Chemistry, work out things like Eric McCoy calling out the defense. You know, Drew Brees did it for a long time, but now it's Eric McCoy that's going to recognize some of those coverages and things pre-snap, and Winston's going to be able to pick that up. So I think it's definitely the best thing possible. And and look, Winston didn't have the running back room at Tampa that he does here. Alvin Kamara is super talented. Tony Jones Jr., I mean, the Tampa had nothing compared to that. And look, wide receiver-wise, he had some weapons, right? And I think when he gets Michael Thomas back, it's going to be even better. He had some weapons at tight end. I also think he has a better offensive line, a much better offensive line than what he had at Tampa. So he doesn't have to be under duress. He can be smart. you know. And again, he doesn't have to go out here and be Drew Brees. But at the same time, you know, I think he's going to have the element of deep ball. You're going to see maybe a few things here and there, and obviously you're going to live in that Drewbury shadow. But look, I think Jameis Winston, between the things about changing his diet, he looks slim, he looks trim, he looks uh, outstanding. He's matured so much. And then obviously that LASIK surgery, people don't talk about that too much. I mean, he got a while back, but, you know, it's really helped him out. And I, again, I just see – I've seen it since day one when we first talked to him over Zoom that – He's a completely different person than what he was in Tampa. And what an opportunity because now he's playing for a next contract. And, uh, you know, people have believed in him. And, and look, I think it's going to end up paying off big time. Yeah, that's that's absolutely great to hear. And, and you kind of said it. You hit the maturity point. You can see it with Jameis Winston. He just looks great. And I told people, I know it sounds crazy to nitpick over preseason play. But what really stood out to me is it's a third and long situation. And, Jameis kind of just takes what the defense gives him. It's a short pass. Sure, you have to punt the football, but it's not making those mistakes. I know it sounds crazy, and, and you might be overanalyzing in some things, but that's just the way I view it. I, I really do think we're going to see a different Jameis Winston. Another person who has been, I don't want to say unfairly criticized because I guess it comes with the nature of being a first-round pick, but Marcus Davenport obviously has heard his share of complaints from the fans whether they're calling him to first or saying he's never on the field, whatever it might be. And look, even I have complained, so I am not immune to this problem. But recently, I've been saying that if there's a guy who's due for a breakout game against the Packers, I just feel like the stars are kind of aligning for Marcus Davenport. And the reason I said it, and I kind of went on a rant last week about it, was everyone's saying he's having a great camp. You see it in the preseason. You just see the intensity he's playing with. You're seeing that opposing offenses – are scheming to either double team or chip him at the line of scrimmage, which shows they have a tremendous respect for his work. And then you're also going up against the Packers O-line that is missing their all-pro left tackle, and you're playing in the Florida Heat, and you can rotate defensive linemen. You're not rotating offensive linemen in that Florida Heat. 
I just think the stars are aligning here. Am I a little delusional for thinking we got a Marcus Davenport breakout game? Or have you seen enough to say this might be the year for Davenport to show why the Saints invested so much in him? Yeah, here's the first thing I'd say. This is the first offseason program he's been able to be a part of. He's been hurt before in the past, dealing with injuries, dealing with this, offseason surgery, whatever the case. So that was huge for him. Um, you know, I, I'd never forget I was watching it. and So much of what the national media and what media says really affected his head is, is what he kind of opened up and said through the whole process right before the draft. And look. I get it. You know, you have a lofty, hefty expectation as a first rounder. You have a lot to live up to, especially the fact that Saints had to trade two first round picks just to get him right. That's why everybody calls him two first. And so, look, it's not just a, a thing that he's a flash, you know, or anything. I mean, there was practices. I charted him having four sacks one day. Now, again, take it with a grain of salt, some of it, because he's working against James Hurst. He's not working totally against Ryan Ramchek or Teron Armstead, but still, the guy last year, he might be working against other inferior linemen. I mean, Hurst is a veteran. He's still pretty good, but, uh, you know, just could never reach it and make it home and such. But look, I, I've seen a completely different person. He's been somebody that's just stepped out in a huge way. And I think he's really, really underrated right now. I think I would bet the farm on him to have a good year. I don't know if I'd say it's Trey Hendrickson production, but I definitely think he's going to have a very disruptive season. And the thing is, you know, don't talk about it enough, but they're loaded at pass rusher. I mean, they they have Carl Granderson, Tano Passion. Uh, they also have Peyton Turner, who we don't really talk a lot about, even though he's their first round pick. They are very stacked as a pass rushing team. I think that's a huge key this year, uh, and, and especially going into Green Bay game. That you know, last year they only had Rodgers down once. I mean, you gotta you gotta get after Aaron Rodgers, and you got two rookie offensive linemen that are gonna roll in there for the Packers. So Davenport can really have a feast. Cam Jordan can do well. I think the concerns probably are on that interior defensive line but again for Davenport's sake I really feel like this is the season that fans are gonna be like oh this is what this team saw oh man this is his potential all along yeah I think Saints fans you know they're very prideful but they, they would gladly eat their words if Davenport uh, has that breakout season hopefully it, it does happen and you kind of talked about the pass rush and the depth at that position is something they're going to need because like you said Trey Hendrickson's no longer there. You need guys to step up and replace that production, whether it's a group effort, individual, whatever it might be. I think one of the no-brainer keys to the Saints-Packers game is obviously getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers because you don't want him to be comfortable because, like you said, he was comfortable in the Dome last year, and we all saw what happened there. Without Devontae Adams, he just kind of picked that defense apart. No problem. Outside of, let's say, the pass rush, because I'm sure you know getting after Aaron Rodgers and making him uncomfortable is going to be key number one for the Saints – what are maybe two things that you're looking at in this game and you're saying, okay, if the Saints are going to win this game, if they're going to shock a lot of the NFL world, what are two areas that they're going to need to have success in? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's running the football with the time of possession. Again, I, I, I think you lean on that offensive line. You know, um, I think that's going to help establish, obviously, the tempo. I think you can get to a point where you're averaging six, seven yards a carry. I know that seems pretty modest, but, you know, just limit what, what, you have to do on offense. I, I don't think you have to get cute here. Ground and pound really still works here and they have the beef to do it. I think the other wrinkles are the screen, you know, screen game and, and the saints have talked about it extensively that they're trying to be a better screen team. And I think they have two backs that are absolutely going to be able to do that. And I think that's one thing that, you know, Tony Jones jr is going to bring to the table versus Latavius Murray. I mean, he's going to be more, are quicker out of the backfield. He's going to be quicker to get upfield. And I think they got the talent to do it, but you know, 
again, I think that's the first key is definitely establishing the tempo, limiting how many times Aaron Rodgers has the football. I mean, you know, that's, that seems simple. It seems like what you got to do in every game is control the clock, make it count on third downs and such. But, you know, from the opposite side, another thing I'd say is special teams. I mean, I hate to tell you that the game might come down to special teams. I think it's going to be close, but two factors. You don't have Will Lutz. You got Aldrick Rojas coming in. That's going to be your kicker. Um, you know, missed the extra point and gets Jacksonville pre and practice. He's been pretty good. So hopefully that doesn't affect anything in this particular game. But, you know, all those things matters. It's going to help establish shorter fields when you get a guy like Deontay Harris, if he's going to be the returner or if it's Ty Montgomery. They have a lot of versatility there. Could it even be Dwayne Washington. So between that and look, we don't talk about Blake Gillikin, but man, this guy is, <laughs> we thought there was going to be a punter battle, but man, I think from day one or two, he kind of silenced that whole entire debate. Um, just won the job. I mean, this guy has a leg cannon. I mean, I've, I'm just impressed by his hang time and everything. And that's going to work well because even if the Saints get in a position where, you know, they stall out and they can't get it going offensive because of, of the things that have happened with switching to James Winston or trying to get that continuity or familiarity on offense, that's going to be a huge area for them. And they have some great coverage there and they have a lot of guys that are just looking to play. And I really think that special teams and being able to control that time possession is going to take them a long way through these first several games without Thomas, without Anyamata and uh, obviously without Will Lutz. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned special teams. I was on a Packers podcast the other night and they're asking about keys to the game. And I mentioned, I'm like, Hey, can Deontay Harris flip field? Can the saints get, con you know, consistent production out of their kicker? And basically they looked at me like that is like one of the most boring things to say. Like I know everyone wants to hear Aaron Rodgers and Jameis Winston just airing it out. And trust yeah. me, that would be really fun to watch. But like you said, the special teams aspect of this game is going to be huge. Now I want to ask you just to kind of wrap this whole thing up because I saw that you posted it today and I, I love reading any type of prediction. I'm a sucker for any type of post that goes through a season and kind of gives some takes here and there. And you did your game by game prediction, your overall record for the saints can you just kind of, for people who didn't read it yet, and if they haven't, shame on them, they should be, but can you kind of tell people where you're at with this Saints team in terms of expectations and what they at least maybe should be thinking about? Because I know it's kind of split on Saints Twitter. I know if you've probably seen it, you have half of Saints Twitter just always spamming the panic button, and then the other half is always thinking <laughs> typical. There's probably something, some area in the middle that we should meet at, but just wrapping all this up, John, can you kind of just explain your, your win-loss total for the Saints or your projection right now and, and what you think this team's going to excel at, what they might be a little you know flat at in some regards, and, and just overall expectations? Yeah, look, I said it before. I, I joked, but I think it's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. I just don't see it in between, right? And so everything I've seen from practice, I've seen from – the players, just uh, the mentality. And, you know, we we're talking to Alvin Kamara the other day and just talking about how nobody feels sorry for him uh, with all this stuff with Hurricane Ida, Malcolm Roach. It just seems like that's kind of their mantra that nobody feels sorry for us, that people are really sleeping on this team. So count me as one of the guys that drinks the Kool-Aid because I think they're extremely well coached. Sean Payton's not the only one. It's Dennis Allen. It's Michael Hodges, the linebacker coach, who's amazing. Chris Richard. I mean, all these guys that matter. Zach Streif on the offensive line. I mean, there are just so many pieces to this puzzle that I think makes this team really better than what they are. And I, I believe in the, the youth 
that there's growing year after year. Guys like Zach Bond look amazing. I, I'm so impressed by how he's looked. Juwan Johnson's another guy. You know, Andrew Dow, the guy that worked so hard to to make this roster. I mean, it was just kind of almost impossible to keep him off the roster. Even guys like Ken Crawley, who I know fans have a different taste in his mouth, but the guy played extremely well in training camp and preseason. I mean, he's a completely different player. So again, I'm one of the optimists. I think their schedule shapes up good because they're playing the NFC East, which is still not the great division, right? They don't. Uh, they also have the AFC East. I know Buffalo is going to be a good team. New England's going to be on the rebound. I think Miami's obviously going to be on the rebound. But the way their schedule breaks out and the way things done, originally I had ten and seven. I thought that was probably the right call with the seventeenth game because I think games against like the Titans are going to be tough. I think the Eagles are going to be a tough one. I think they'll split with Tampa. I think they'll split with Atlanta. You know, um. So, but after I looked at it a little bit more, I think the ceiling for this team is eleven and six, and I think that's where I stay. Is as I think they can win eleven games. I think Tampa is going to win the division. I think Tampa is the team to beat still in the NFC. But I I think when I look across the rest of the NFC, I don't see a lot of teams that are like, man, these guys are going to be the cream of the crop. They're really going to threaten, right? I, I know people have gotten on the Rams bag, bandwagon, the, the 49ers bandwagon. They've gotten on the Falcons bandwagon. I mean, there's so many different teams, but I just don't see it right now. And again, they still have a ton of their roster intact. I think they're well coached. I think they can shock some people and get into this bye week. They have some very favorable games. Green Bay is a big test. Second week, you got Carolina. I think they can win that. New England might be tough because you're facing a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. That can go either way, just depending on what side of the fence you're on. Uh, and then you got Washington and New York in the other game. So I think they can start off strong, hit a midseason stride. They'll probably have a, a period where they kind of fall a little bit. But really, I think this team's going to be built for that last half of the season. I think they're going to come out. They'll make a good stance on Thanksgiving. It's Buffalo. They'll follow that up against Dallas and, and, and show out really good. But I'm taking 11 and six. I think they're going to come in as a high wild card potentially um, and, and sneak in there and we'll see how the rest plays out. Yeah. Sign me up for 11 and six right now. I would absolutely take it. I, I already agreed with the initial 10 and seven kind of ceiling, but to your point, it's a gamer here, there uh, maybe to kind of a point that we talked about with special teams, a field goal kick here and there that could decide whether you're 11 and six or 10 and seven, but obviously saints fans are thrilled to hear that. Well, John appreciate you coming on the show as always for people who haven't already make sure to follow John on Twitter at John J Hendricks and check out his work at saints news network and his podcast. Believe in saints. Maybe don't have notifications on game day though. Cause John, your Twitter <laughs> figures are undefeated. It's, it's the most amazing thing. I can't tell you every year it's a tradition. I'm watching the play. I look at my tweet deck and I'm like, oh, John got it before me. So, but it's a good thing though, because you can trick people. You'd be like, hey, I bet, you know, Jameis Winston's going to throw a touchdown pass right here and you could look like a genius. So, but <laughs> seriously, John, I appreciate you coming on. It's always a blast talking Saints football with you. Yeah, no problem. Look, I joke with people and, and uh, you know, people think I'm from the future, I guess. Right. And the thing is, it just, it's, it's just crazy how it works out in the mind and see everything, how it plays out. And, I don't want to say it's Rain Man style, but it, sometimes it's how it is. And so, you know, what people got to understand is sometimes when you're streaming and stuff, that stuff is way behind. So I'm live. The closest you could probably get is, is a HD antenna, right? That's as close to the action as you can get real time. But sorry if I spoil it, Saints fans. Just mute me. Please don't block me. Just mute me. and It'll be okay. I promise. <laughs> That's great. John, I appreciate you coming on. Every, everyone for tuning in. Thank you for that. Obviously, we'll have more content on the Straight Up Saints podcast in the very new, near future. Hopefully, next time you're listening to this podcast, we'll be covering a Saints win 
over the Green Bay Packers. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.